Welcome to the Ripcord Moment, a podcast focused on empowering owners to optimize the outcome of their business succession plan and achieve their perfect landing. For most owners, the majority of their net worth is tied up in their business. And yet many struggle to create a plan that maximizes the value of their business with their personal financial plan. As a seasoned advisor for over 20 years, I help guide owners through the exit planning process with both their personal and professional goals in mind. When it comes to succession planning, there are numerous factors that play a role in passing the reins to the next owner of a business. And in this podcast, we showcase the owners and their team of trusted advisors that have navigated these challenges, structured successful deals, and ultimately achieved their perfect landing. Welcome to the Ripcord Moment. I'm your host, Joe C2. Today I'm joined by Janice Miller. She's the managing partner of Millahaga uh, Law Group, a preeminent law firm here in Southern California. Janice, I'm looking forward to having a conversation here with you today. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to be here. Absolutely. So, you know, you've got an extensive background in, in law. You were previously the, I think, the vice president of business affairs at Universal Studios for a number of years doing everything from negotiating licensing agreements, litigation management, real estate transactions, retail. So you bring a sort of varied and wide range of experience to your clients, uh, clients who are in the private sector and Fortune, five, Fortune 100 companies, I should say. Um, like we're going to talk a little bit today about what owners should be thinking about related to a potential succession event on the legal matters. And I also want to jump in and talk a little bit about your book, Cooperation, that you recently authored and what sort of inspired you on that front. But uh, let's tackle the legal issues first. Sure. Um, you know, we've been in a very difficult business environment for, for some time, but specifically with COVID here in the last few years. And as owners really contemplate some sort of succession event, what sort of advice would you give them? And what are you seeing today that you're dealing with with your owner clients? Well, again, thanks, Joe, for having me uh, here today. It's a pleasure to assist your audience with some of these key legal issues. I think first and foremost, all owners or people contemplating some sort of triggering event or exit strategy need to figure out the keys, what they want and what they want, not only in um, when, but how and through what means. I'm, I'm a journalist as a, as a background, so I always go with right. who, what, why, where, when and how. So figure out what you want and then we can telegraph how to get you there. For example, if an owner knows that in a couple of years they want to exit, they need to get their ducks in a row now, today. It's never too soon to bring in counsel, never too soon to bring in uh, an accountant, never too soon to bring in a business broker who can, they can set up the structure. And once you have that question answered, for example, I know that three years from now, I want to exit. I want to have X amount of dollars as my target. My business has gotten Y and EBITDA. I know what the multiple should be. I should start working on that now so that I can project out and have those professionals assist me in achieving my goal. And so obviously, we, you know, we talk about assembling a team. You and I do a lot of work in the exit planning arena. What are some of the critical things that oftentimes get overlooked, specifically from a legal standpoint, do you think owners could sort of preempt or do ahead of time to make the due diligence process uh, easier or to just avoid you know, having the deal not go the way they potentially wanted to? Great, great question. 
when I'm doing a transaction, one thing that you can sort of analogize on, on a grand scheme, but you're selling your house. Yep. You have to get all your ducks in a row, right? Okay. It's the same thing as when you sell your residential house. And I know that you guys just moved, so you'll, you'll, right? you'll appreciate this. You, you got to clean up stuff. You have to get rid of excess. You have to um, pack what you want and keep out what you want to use while you're working through the transaction. How does that relate to business? Get all your corporate governance done. If you know that you're going to exit and you, you don't have corporate minutes, or if you're an LLC, if you don't have buy-sell agreements with your key stakeholders, members, et cetera, put all that in place now so that it will be an easier transition. Um, if there are excess things that are out there from a financial perspective, you might have a company that's weighing you down. Sell that company off now, knowing that you have that runway in mm -hmm. order to get ready for the ultimate sale. Those okay. are some of the keys right off the top of my head that I would think of, Joe. Got it. And I would imagine also, too, like you're saying with uh, the key employees, perhaps confidentiality uh, agreements, reviewing the contracts with your key suppliers and vendors, things of that nature to make sure you're, you're buttoned up again from a, from a legal perspective. Hands down. That's a great point. The last thing that you would want as part of a transaction, let's let's take a lease. You own a piece of property or you're mm -hmm. leasing a big piece of property. And let's say that there's a change of control provision in there that requires the landlord's consent. You don't want to necessarily know that when you're trying to sell your property. You mm -hmm. want to review all typical due diligence items okay. ahead of time so that you can ensure that you're not going to have any issues. Key supplier contracts, as you mentioned, again, you want to make sure that if you're working with an Amazon or a big company, that you're allowed to transfer uh, or assign your interests to that new potential company without getting their approval. That would be horrible if you're ready to go and you're, you're, you're tied to a contract and would either have to buy out that contract or breach, breach that contract and hope that you don't get sued. And let's go down that road here, because this is something that um, I would imagine not many owners are as well versed in and candidly, even myself. So I'm learning here. If you have, let's say, a contract with someone like an Amazon and, for example, it's not transferable or it's, or it's murky. How do you begin to broach the subject uh, of negotiating that? Like, what would you advise your client to do? Actually, how do you go through that process? Sure. Again, really good question. The first thing I would do is is speak with a business broker or advisor, somebody that can help you put together your own internal due diligence room. Okay. And then you have your key material contracts. And I would review and analyze all those key material contracts relative to term, uh, cost, escalation, relative to um, how I could potentially get out of this contract. Is there an early termination fee? How mm -hmm. I would do that. And then when going to market or trying to exit, that's something that you can bring to the attention of your suitor ahead mm -hmm. of time. And you can work through that. Now, again, you're giving yourself runway. So hopefully within this runway period, you can either negotiate an out, a termination fee, or advise through transparency your suitor what the terms of those contracts are. So, to, so on that last point, it sounds like you're saying you know being transparent and bringing it to them rather than rather than the suitor sort of uncovering it in due diligence and and them being the ones to bring it to the table would would probably be better if the uh, the seller is um, the one bringing it to the table and being transparent. A hundred percent. You never want them saying, "Oh, by the way." Yeah. Right. Never. Doesn't go. Doesn't bode well for an easy transaction. No, it doesn't build trust. Right. Correct. Um, 
Let's talk a little bit about buy-sell agreements because those are, you know, I was actually just having a conversation with a client earlier in the week and they, uh, two owners, two principals, and they don't have one. Um, why is it that it is as sort of, it's common knowledge you should have one, right? Correct. But so oftentimes owners don't. Right. Why is that the case? Um, in your opinion, I, I want to say it, two things. One, the the um, skepticism or the skeptic in me would say cost at the beginning of a relationship. Okay. The second one would say it's like a marriage. You're beginning a relationship. And things are phenomenal. You're starting a business with somebody. And I look at buy-sell agreements as prenuptial agreements. Mm -hmm. Everyone should have one. It strengthens the relationship. It strengthens the marriage. It, it sets forth the roadmap of what's going to happen later when things aren't good. So buy-sell agreements um, for the listeners are um, documents which set forth how uh, a shareholder or a member could potentially exit the relationship. And at that exit, what, what do you have to do? Does it have to go to other members of the company first? How much is it going to cost? Under what specific circumstances can you buy, sell, or get out of your uh, your current relationship or agreement. So there are a myriad of things. Uh, we like to say buy sells have four key four key triggering events, but there are plenty others: mm -hmm. death, divorce, disability, and dissolution. Those okay. are the those are some of the key triggering advice um, key triggering elements. But there are plenty of other reasons to get out of uh, relationships or reasons to think about when starting a relationship, business relationship. I'm talking. And then what about uh, one more question here on this topic, the notion that, well, look, I'm likely going to sell in the next 12 months or soon. And I, so I don't need to, you know, I don't need one. How, how would you sort of um, advise the client, the, you know, in that, on that? So I, I, I love to tell stories. So I'm going to tell a story. So story goes and it applies to buy sells as well. Story goes that somebody comes to us and say, hey, we want to form a company and there are a couple folks and we want to do this and that. And we went to LegalZoom before we came to you and we can do LegalZoom for, I don't know, whatever LegalZoom costs. And I said, great. And then they say, how much do you cost? Mm -hmm. And I say, more than LegalZoom. And they say, well, why shouldn't we go to LegalZoom? And I said, because we have the experience yep. that can help you um, navigate through the, the roadmaps and field, uh, the minds that are out there relative to starting your business. Similarly with a buy-sell, you need to. You need to take that extra money. You need to be thoughtful about what you're doing for the people that you're in business with now so that when a triggering or an exit happens, it's transparent because that's when the emotions are high. Yep. Again, like a prenuptial agreement, you have to look at these things. Um, emotions are high at the beginning because everyone's elated and it's the honeymoon period and everything's great. And then, you know, 20, 30 years, hopefully you're down the road with somebody in a business and it's time to leave. We just we just had uh, doctors that were on a handshake put together an agreement um, 20 plus years ago and one of them wants to retire. And now after 20 years of a successful partnership, they are having absolute horror pains. Yeah. Not growing pains, but horror pains horror trying pain. to exit. Yeah, trying yeah. to exit this relationship. Well, and the, the other thing that I think I don't think a lot of people think about, right, is the experiences you go through as partners, right? There, there's a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs, there's a lot of things you work through, but all of that sort of experience over time, there is a cumulative effect in terms of the nature of the relationship you have with those 
individuals, right? And so I have to imagine that impacts, if it's not memorialized up front, right? People are gonna have different perspectives at the back end of the transaction than they did when they were first going into the relationship. A hundred percent. My husband and I have been married for almost 26 years now. And Congratulations. He says, Thank you. He's, he says to me, I don't know why people keep changing their minds. Yeah. And right. You, they, they tell you to write something and you write it and then they tell you to rewrite it and and write it again. And I say, honey, that's what keeps us in business. Right. Yeah. So that's exactly right. And and it's good that they have a preliminary thought process. And it's fine if people do change their minds because that happens all of the time. But have have something in writing so that when emotions are high and when you're about to exit whatever this is and whatever it looks like you know what you guys agree to beforehand yeah maybe there can maybe, always be tweaks sure absolutely well, you got to give yourself the flexibility um in terms of you've had a lot of real estate experience coupled with your business expertise and so for the owners who have not only the business and the operations their real estate maybe they own the building um what advice can you offer from a legal standpoint, again, as an owner is contemplating uh, a succession event, how to, how to be thoughtful about the real estate um, separate from the business or maybe as part of the business? Yeah. Um, similar to what we said before when looking at material contracts, you want to look at any leaseholds that you own to ensure that the person coming in has a little more runway. So if, if you're talking about a, a lease, whether it's a commercial space or an office space or industrial space, and there's a short window left on that lease, the person that's acquiring you wants to have enough time to get in and not have to renegotiate with the landlord. So when you're contemplating an exit or a change of some flavor, you want to ensure that you've looked at your lease agreements, you want to look at your mortgages, you want to look at whatever guarantees are there, et cetera, to ensure that the person coming in um, isn't going to be strapped with only two months or three months in there. You also want to make sure that you have the ability to do what you need to do. So as part of that due diligence that we talked about before, Joe, I think one of the keys is you look at all leases, real estate, uh, mm -hmm. other financial situation, if they're long-term equipment leases or any long-term obligations that the company has to ensure that you can get yourself off of guarantees, personal guarantees. You can uh, maybe negotiate up front a longer lease with a, an assignment provision or a sublet provision so that, and talk to your landlord um, at the time that you're doing this, you know, let me, let me backstep. Depending on the situation, you may want to talk to your landlord ahead of time and tell them what's going on, or right. you may not, okay. but you definitely want to have the uh, mechanism in place so that whomever's coming in doesn't have a very short window it makes you unattractive and in yep. some instances would make the deal undoable. Okay. And so when I ask a specific question related to expertise, you have attorneys um, who are really good at, let's say, M&A transactions. Mm -hmm. You have someone like yourself who, who's done business and real estate. Does it require, if a, if a client has real estate as part of their business, are they going to need to bring in someone else that somebody like you who has got very specific real estate experience? Or will most business transaction attorneys be generally strong enough to be able to handle the real estate component? What are your thoughts there? So one of my favorite answers as a lawyer, come on, you'll, you'll, you'll know this ahead of time is it depends. It depends. It depends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
It Got depends. It. And okay. what it really what it really depends on is, is the complexity of the real estate. If it's okay. if it's an office lease, if it's a commercial lease, I, I would think that uh, M&A lawyers are um, knowledgeable enough to do this. If you're talking about a ginormous portfolio of right. real estate, where there's guarantees, uh, international yeah. REITs, things that require um, a lot of outside of the normal M&A sphere, mm -hmm. it's always good to bring in experts. I mean, you know, this sure. is a great segue into cooperation if you want to talk about my book. Definitely. But, That's going to be okay. my next question. All right, go for it then. Well, so no, thanks for the, for the color there. And I, I, I like what you said, it depends. So yeah, let's pivot the conversation here to your book, Cooperation. And you know, it's interesting because of your journalism background, what, what spawned it, what inspired you to write this book? And um, yeah, let's start there. Okay. So uh, a couple of years back, uh, you and I are in a couple of different networking groups. Mm -hmm. And in one of the other networking groups, um, I went out to lunch. It's called a Troika for your listeners with uh, a couple of our colleagues. And um, we were talking about my background at Universal and they said, you really need to write a book. And, you know, I uh, guffawed and say, yeah, right. I, I need to write a book in the, in the middle of the night from two to six in the morning because, you know, we're up working, we're doing stuff like this. I have nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. And then, and they're both authors, by the way, which okay. is fun. And then COVID happened. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And I, we were working, you know, full stop. We were actually busier in COVID than some of our other times assisting our uh, clients, landlords, tenants, both uh, in navigating through and, and our businesses and navigating through the beginning stage of COVID, which is at every moment things were changing. But I had a little extra time. And one of the blessings of COVID for me was that my daughter was able to come home from the University of Utah. And we spent eight months together. Oh, and nice. in those, yeah, in the in those beginning months, you know, we were relegated to stay home and weren't really relegated to go out and meet with people. But we did go down to the beach. Uh, we don't, you know, we're blessed to live less than 30 minutes from the beach and went down to the beach a bunch and started structuring the book and putting ideas and thoughts together. And obviously, you know, that outline and structure morphed over time, two or three times, but eventually got us to the book that was published last August. And so this concept of cooperation, let's talk a little bit about that. I think it's it's important, especially in the, in exit planning, right, that there's no one advisor that can do all these things we've talked about and the idea of building a team and how you've applied that to your law practice and what this concept really is that you've, I've heard you speak numerous times at various networking events, but for our audience, what is this concept of cooperation? Great. Um, uh, I live and breathe this. It's the notion that competitors can work cooperatively together to benefit all, benefit their clients, benefit themselves, benefit their competitors. And it stems on the fact that we're, we're all not everything to everyone, even mm -hmm. though we, we appear to be. And while, you know, you have expertise in financial planning and advising, and I have expertise in business transactional law and real estate. Yep. If somebody has a very difficult tax question, or if somebody has an estate planning question that comes into play as part of a transaction, why not reach out to this, create a team, be our client's consigliere, chapter A, right? Always in consigliere, yeah. um, and assist and benefit the client by having these knowledgeable people. Um, phone a friend is another chapter, and we've, we've heard that before. Um, 
I don't know everything about business transactional law. There are things that are well above my means. There are things that are spot within my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And we go to our colleagues because they're in, in, in law, there might be a conflict. If it's a divorce situation, somebody may want a female or may want a male. If it's a trust in the states matter, they may want somebody that's got a business background or a tax background. Um, so it, it all depends on what the needs are. And mm -hmm. isn't it amazing and wonderful that we have all of these colleagues that we can bring to the table to support our colleagues. Um, there's, there's a book out there called The Go-Giver, and, and I have a chapter that's called G, Give, 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 and it's based on the same notion. What yeah. you throw out there and give out will come back to you. And if the underlying principle is client first and benefit the client, then, then you will only benefit as a result of that, you'll get more referrals because your mm -hmm. clients are happy. You'll get um, praise from your colleagues because you're bringing them in to assist your clients. And it perpetuates itself so that everyone benefits. Yeah. And so did you coin this phrase, by the way? I did not. I trademarked the phrase from a legal and business perspective. Uh -huh. uh, again, telling a story. Uh, the gentleman that um, developed the Segway, who, by the way, died while riding the Segway, Oh, um, coined this phrase, you know that? No. Coined this phrase many years ago when talking about robotics competitions okay. and how high school students should work together to uh -huh. help each other in these competitions. So in my do in my doing my due diligence for the book, came up with that, but it is, you know, it is legal and trademarked. Well, you know, I want to touch on one point and just give you kudos because every time I'm in a networking event, Janice, you get so many thank yous for business that you give out that uh, people really do look at you as a go-giver. You truly are. You're a Thank great you. group leader. Um, so you're, you're living and breathing what your book is about, and you're a great example of it. So uh, talk to us a little bit about what your favorite chapter is in the book, um, uh, Cooperation. Well, there's, there's, there's many. Um, but the one that I'm going to talk about is, is Q. And, and people don't know why we're, why we're doing this. The book is based on the alphabet. And each letter of the alphabet represents a chapter. There are okay. a lot of us that are um, either uh, ADD or ADHD, and and by no means, am, you know, I meant to joke about that. But we we have these things where we say, "Oh, squirrel," and we jump to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So me included, me especially. So the book is written in short, pithy, um, uh, five to six page. Uh, chapters that uh, are cornerstone by the use of the alphabet. So okay. when I say Q, uh, queen yeah. or king of the land, right, is one of my favorite chapters because it basically says, yeah, we all have obligations. We all have um, things at home and in our business, but our first obligation should honestly be to ourselves. We mm -hmm. only have one mind. We only have one body. If we don't treat ourselves as the king or queen of our land and do that, then we can't help and assist anyone else. So that's that's one of the the, the key takeaways from from the book uh, that I love. But there, there's there's a bunch of stuff, and and the book is written just like you and I are, are speaking. Uh, okay. it's, it's written in a very narrative narrative tone, like we're having a conversation. I love that concept, right? The idea of putting on your oxygen mask before you put on uh, the oxygen mask of those around you. And actually at the company, we recently read the four agreements and uh, first yep. agreement in terms of being impeccable with your word is a lot about knowing your own sort of taking care of yourself, your own personal agreements uh, before committing to others. Um, well, Janice, as we sort of wrap it up, we've got a few minutes left here. I like to always end uh, these podcasts with 
two action items, right? I call it the ripcord moment because my belief is for many owners, when they make that jump, when they make that exit, it's like the one piece of equipment that can't fail is their parachute and that ripcord better work. So what are two action items you would impart to our audience members, to business owners who are thinking about some sort of succession event that, you know, in the legal wheelhouse that they should sort of consider doing sooner rather than later? Great. Uh, number one, give yourself the benefit of time and don't expect to do a transaction tomorrow without getting your house in row. So get your ducks in line. Yeah. Two, be true to yourself and know exactly what the goal of the exit plan is and what you're trying to accomplish for yourself and your family and stick to that. And don't deviate um, unless needed. You know, obviously be flexible in the transaction, mm -hmm. but know what you want and set that for yourself and go after it. Wonderful. Janice, thanks for your time. I really do appreciate it. This is a great conversation. And this is Joe C2 signing off from the Ripcord Moment, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Joe.